Good morning, Oikos. How are you? This morning we are coming to the conclusion of Acts. We have one more week of Acts, and so we're in the last chapters of Acts. We were able to go through Acts in a couple months, where before we went through it in a couple years. As we get to the last part of the chapter of Acts, we see that Paul is in a whole bunch of trouble because he's been preaching the gospel, and as he's been preaching the gospel, now people are resisting his movement throughout the land or what we commonly see today as minor Asia and Europe. So as we go into chapter 21, what I want us to do is really look at how do we find ourselves in the text this morning. And it's going to be a little bit difficult, but we're going to try to segue our way into it. So we're going to start out with chapter 21, verse 26. Just read along with me. So Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started the purification ritual. So he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and the sacrifices would be offered for each of them. The seven days were almost ended when the Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him yelling, men of Israel, help us. This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole city was rocked by these accusations, and a great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple and immediately the gates were closed behind him. As they were trying to kill him, the word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers, and officers ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commander and the troops coming, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander arrested him and ordered him bound with two chains. He asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Some shouted one thing and some the other. Since he couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and confusion, he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent that the soldiers had to lift him to their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind shouting, kill him, kill him. As Paul was about to be taken inside, he said to the commander, may I have a word with you? Do you know Greek? The commander asked, surprised. Aren't you the Egyptian who led a rebellion some time ago and took 4,000 members of the assassins out into the desert? No, Paul replied. I am a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus in Cilicia, which is an important city. Please let me talk to these people. The commander agreed. So Paul stood on the stairs and motioned to the people to be quiet. Soon a deep silence enveloped the crowd. And he addressed them in their own language, Aramaic. So a pretty intense story, right? If you step into the shoes of Paul, you can almost imagine, and yet not really, because you can't really jump into his shoes and think about how could he be so calm with so many people wanting to kill him, and yet he says, hey, can I have a word with you? As if nothing else was going on as if he was protected 
even though it looked like he was about to be killed. I think it is hard for us to jump into those shoes because probably many of us are not the reason why a riot starts. Any of you out there? Probably not. Um, Well, I can think of, never mind. Although there are some very eerie similarities, right? And we're going to get into that because I think in today, our mobs maybe look a little bit different. Some mobs are about the same light, but maybe there's another format that mobs begin. Verse 26, it says, so Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They'd already started the purification ritual. So he publicly announced the date when their vows would end and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. He was doing normal stuff. In fact, he was doing things that instead of inciting anger, it should have incited encouragement. He was following the law of the Jews. He was doing what he was supposed to do. So often I find that this regular activity is sometimes when anger is in your soul is what makes you even more angry at the person who is doing just the regular thing. Something that should have reassured them, in fact, made them more angry. And the reason why it made them more angry is because they didn't just dislike Paul. They hated him. They absolutely, absolutely hated him. They were obsessed with destruction. Whatever it would take to get rid of this guy. And if you think about a riot, a riot rarely comes without affecting the innocent. Many times a riot doesn't even really affect those who they're mad at. It affects those who have no part in it. But a riot was started that day because they were fearful that Paul was about ready to destroy their faith, that Paul was changing the way they did things, that Paul was speaking against what they always believed. So they got angry. Does that sound familiar to anything that's going on today? I think the easiest connection, probably in your mind, you're already going there, is politics. Rarely do I talk about politics because it can cause a riot. But many times, what I've been seeing, and this isn't just this cycle, but it's been past cycles. And I, I mean, I haven't lived for 80 years, so I don't know what those last 80 years have looked like. But when you look at history, there are definitely worse cycles than the last cycle. There were worse things said about the politician than they have been said today. But we're in the now, and we look at it now, and we begin to just see that we just can't agree with the other side. So it doesn't matter what side you're on. What I see is hate. 
I think God wants something different from his people. It doesn't have to be politics. Because I see many of us, when we see something that we don't agree with, we may not incite a riot, but we definitely don't want to get our hands dirty, so we use social media. And we send out a tweet, or we make a post, or we comment on something, and we hope that it gets a lot of likes. We see something that we don't agree with, we think something, we feel something, we see the anger start churning inside of us, and we just have to release it. Well, that is how we are connected to the mob of the story with Paul. They saw something. They saw Paul, and they did not like him. They heard something, and they did not like it. They felt something. They didn't like it either. And so they decided to let that hate grow so much that they were willing to shout and kill and destroy to make it happen. Again, I think God wants us to be different. Yet many times on social media, I see the same kind of hate kind of displayed. And it brings no encouragement, no love, no peace. Maybe you think it brings satisfaction, but at what cost? This is really kind of like a middle school mentality. Anybody of you? Remember middle school? It used to be called junior high. So in middle school, kids are mean. They just like to be mean. Part of it is because their brain hasn't fully developed. And so they don't know how to say things without it just being mean or how to socially interact with one another. And they're trying to learn all these things. So you have to give them a little bit of grace because they just don't know. But Breezy came home, and I know I give a lot of examples about her, so when she's out of here, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'll stop preaching. But she came home from a little dance, some fundraiser. I didn't even know it was happening, but some little dance, Valentine's Day dance, and she was sad, and one of the things she said is that a group of girls called her fat. I know. <laughs> it's Breezy. You just have to go like this. And she'd fall over. It wasn't true. It was meant to destroy. But, you know, adults do this too. They do the same hurtful thing, and they, we've been doing it for centuries. In the story today, it, it's like this. Men of Israel, help us. This man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody you always know whenever you say every or never, it's never a good thing, right? Everywhere and everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. This is not Paul. Yet they said it. He speaks against the temple. This is not Paul. But they said it. And even defiles this holy place by bringing in Gentiles. Assumptions. Ever make those assumptions? For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus, a Gentile from Ephesus, so they assumed Paul had taken him into the temple. 
wasn't true, but they needed a reason for their anger. And so they looked for it. How often when we're upset with someone, do we find ourselves digging for facts or fake facts or anything we can so that we can justify our anger? When was the last time you passed on or posted something and you found out later it wasn't true? Gosh, you guys are awesome, huh? So I remember not exactly what it was, but it's embarrassing, right? Sometimes it's a positive story. And you're like, oh, this is so awesome. And then you post it just on a knee-jerk reaction, just hit it, post that one, that's good. Then you go look up Snoops or whatever, and you go, I'm a freaking idiot. Now, everybody knows I'm an idiot if they go to Snoops. So how do I cover this up? Can I distract, you know, take it off? How many people saw this before I did this? But I think oftentimes we're so quick to hit that trigger to spread the thing that we just heard instead of reflecting, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it encouraging? Is it loving? Is it positive? It might be funny, but it doesn't mean that it should be reposted. When was the last time you participated in something that could potentially hurt or discourage someone? Most of you are like, well, I don't do that. That's why I'm here, because I'm a church person. So I don't do that kind of stuff. What about public figures? How many of you reposted or put something out there? that could potentially hurt that public figure. I think this is a major problem in our society. This includes the Donald Trumps, Nicki Minaj, Justin Bieber, Beyonce. Go down the list, all those people that sometimes we don't see a person behind the name. We don't see that God created that person. All we see is vindictive hate because of what that person represents. And don't give me, well, they did it first. I think Jesus wants something different from us. He wants something different from us because he's given us something different. We know what it's like to have someone, when you bring nothing to the table, offer everything at the table. So why do we do this to each other? And why do we say it's okay because they're in public? We can demean them and criticize with ill intent and maybe not even ever, ever have a face-to-face conversation with them. Wynn and I, Win, if you don't know, he is our new vicar. Let's give him. Some of you are like, I don't even know what a vicar is. That's okay. He has just entered into this program. It's called SMP, 
And it's so that you can be trained as a pastor on site instead of having to go to seminary. And so he's going to be doing this for the next four years. So he definitely needs your prayers. It's very intense. There's a lot of reading, and it's, it's unforgiving. It's every week, you know, two to 400 pages of reading and then responding in a journal. So if you see him not doing something, remind him he's in a program. <laughs> Maybe he needs to read something right? So we were at a pastor's meeting because he's now, you know, part of that group. And I was so excited to take him because I hate going by myself. And so we went to this pastor's meeting and we got to hear a story of a guy. And in his congregation, not a majority, but a small minority, at least from his perspective, are intentionally trying to hurt him. They're saying things that aren't true. They're attacking with words against him. And you know who it's hurting the most? His wife. Because people are forgetting that though he may be the pastor, and I don't, I'm not in the situation, I don't know if he made big mistakes, I have no idea. But they take that title and they don't see a person or a family behind it. And so with vitriol, words and actions, they attack this guy. And his wife is watching them destroy a man who she loves. We live in a celebrity society. We love to see a person up front. We love to see that person be built up and built up to the expectation that they can do no wrong. And then we look for ways to tear them down and cut them in any way that, they possibly, that you possibly can. I wonder how many of us loved Donald Trump when he was in The Apprentice and said, oh, he's so funny. And many of you are like, I didn't say that. But now because of a reaction, we want to be the ones that say horrible things. How many of us thought Hillary Clinton was great and when she got close to power decided never? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it positive? Is it loving? These are the things I believe Jesus is asking from us. To say. The other things that may not be as loving in our viewpoint should be said face to face or at least voice to voice. And yet we use so many options today because we feel like we just have to say what we feel. I think this is so deep within our society that it's going to take a lot for us to actually get out of it. In fact, I just found out recently that I was the subject of gossip again from people that I don't even know who they are anymore. I haven't probably talked to them for years. And it's not recent. 
I have found this out probably weekly, that somehow, never Sarah, because she's the nice one, somehow the Lytle, that Lytle is this demon in disguise. Now, that wasn't the words. I'm just, so, I have no idea what the words were. I try not to listen to the words anymore because it does hurt, right? Because you think, what did I do to cause this? And how many times do I need to go say I'm sorry about something I don't even know what I did to help this person get over that, whoever they may be? And you know what's even worse is when you find that it's other pastors doing this to other pastors. Wow. No wonder our Christian church, not just here in America, but across the globe, has such a problem with saying things that are helpful and loving and positive because even our own leaders don't know how to do it. Amen? Maybe for yourself, it's not about a pastor because you are good people. I'm well loved here. Thank you very much. At least today, right now. Maybe it's about your boss. Have you ever found yourself in that conversation about your boss or supervisor? Can't believe that she made that stupid decision. And it goes on and on and on in that workroom. Can't believe that they're just a horrible father. Have you ever found yourself in that conversation? I think the key really is, are you just looking at the title? Or when you talk about that person, do you identify them as someone that God created for a purpose? Or do you just see the title? Parents do this with teachers. You know how often I've seen stuff come through that some teacher is out to destroy their child? And because this teacher is out to destroy their child, they gather around other parents, right? Don't you love those emails that have a thousand CCs on them? All except The message is almost done. So parents do this with with teachers too. They build them up. They build them up. They think they're the greatest thing until they do something that they don't like about with their own child. And then they tear them down. They don't want them to have a career anymore. They look for things. How can we discredit this teacher, and it usually always happens on social media. 
I think that if we are honest with ourselves, we often find ourselves not so much being able to jump into the shoes of Paul, but it's much easier to jump into the shoes of the mob that day. What happens in the mob that day is that the whole city was brought to a riot. The whole city. This means not just those who were against Paul, but those who had chosen to follow Paul. Those who had probably heard Paul speak that day and said, Amen, brother. And within 10 minutes, they were screaming, Kill him. 